we're freaking live! Beautiful! Beautiful, Mike Cannon. What's up, brother? How What's are up, you? What's up, buddy? Good, how are you? Dude, I'm great, man. You have slowly but surely, I think, become one of my favorite people in comedy, if I will say something very nice right off the bat, man. Really? Yeah. When did that happen? I think so. I, well, Thank I mean, you, by the well, way, because like, I like you, too. So, um, I think, you know, initially when we met, probably, what, three years ago or something like that, two and a half, maybe Outside of Fat Black or ba- Black Cat? No, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. So, just to, Mike, for those of you who guys don't know Mike, if you guys are tuning in and you're fans of Mike, what's up? I'm Ted Jones here, and um, I'm hanging with Mike Cannon. If you guys tune into the Ted Jones World Podcast, you'll notice that the last few episodes, we have not had a guest. We've done probably anywhere from like, I'd say probably 10 to 12 episodes just me here. Nice. So, it's nice and refreshing. You're hitting your sea legs, though. I think that's valuable. I think it's valuable to have your own show and do solo episodes. I think so, too. Because, like, there was initially such a pressure within, like, the first two years. I've been doing this, like, now two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Like, just getting, focusing so hard on getting a guest. And, like, even if it wasn't, I mean, obviously, any guest comes on here, but, like, there were just some times where I like, yeah, sure, come on, you know, just talk to me, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, man, it's been great, like, really just doing it myself, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, dude, this is, so, before we get into yeah, why I'm one of your favorite like person, you. yeah, sure, I'll tell you why you've quickly grown in my heart. Go ahead. I think your whole thing is so funny, man. The Ted Jones World t-shirt, no matter what. No matter yeah. what, every single time I see you, whether it's by surprise or plan, sure. you're wearing a piece of your merch. Yes. And then I go to your bed. Ba- I, I use your bathroom. <laughs> and on the mirror, this, on the mirror is a Ted Jones World podcast sticker in case he forgets. Yes. In case he forgets. And that I took a picture of because I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> and go. then I and then I turned around and on the wall is the very same Ted Jones World podcast sticker. Just in case for that split second <laughs> you lost forgot. consciousness and did, forgot. Did you also see that picture in there, like me smoking a cigar yes. like that? All right. So that was done at Step Into the Light. This is probably I don't know if you actually ever did the show. Maybe you did. This is funny. Mm. So um Step Into the Light was a show that Fat Baby was doing probably about two and a half, three years ago. They oh, no did kidding. It for a little bit at a VR spot. Do you remember that? I definitely didn't do okay, it. So that sounds had, cool though. They had like a slow film photographer, if that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. So that uh, picture in um, in the bathroom is like made out of like kind of kind of like the material that I don't know is on a credit card, you know? Oh, like okay, those cool. Tin yeah, yeah. Kind of things. That's yeah, sweet. So there you go, dude. But anyway, we'll get back to why I enjoy your presence, man. I think just in general, man, you come in, give great eye contact, great shakes. <laughs> you're a nice guy. You're not out here thinking that you're cooler than anyone, man. And no, that's I, for and, sure. And I think that sometimes. I notice this with comics, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's not like eye contact initially or it's just no, uh, I'm trying extra talking. hard to look <laughs> in your <laughs> eyes. <laughs> you know I, mean? I think that just it's, you know, it says a lot about a person. And, you know, yeah. like when I like a person and when a person does that, like I respect them way more and I want them to be involved in my life. No homo or anything. Bro. Sure. Like, no, I, I, general, I wouldn't mind either I way. Like, I think it's just, it's just nice to. It's nice to have a conversation with somebody yeah. and them, you know, being on the same playing field. I'd say that that goes for everything in general. Yeah. If your manager talks down to you or something like that, you're like, why are you talking down to me? Like, let's get something done together on <laughs> yeah. the same Let's you know, first vibration. acknowledge that we're both human beings yes, and then move right. forward from there. Sure. I do think, I think eye contact in particular is a lost art. And I did, when I was growing up, I thought my parents were fucking nuts because they were like, 
crazy uh, eye like eye contact yeah. every time you meet an adult parent of your friend whoever it might be principal teacher anything you're looking them in the eye because it's, it's an immediate sign of respect yeah. and they were just drilling that into me as a kid and i always thought i was like jesus christ like get over it re- relax totally. and then as you grow up and you notice the younger generations having more and more difficulty socially yeah. and the flying of their eyes and you never really get to be like hey we're people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I acknowledge we're both people. You, that that like it's very important. I tell it to my two year old son. Right, but do you think that that is lack of parenting or people just kind of floating in the universe, being like, "All right, well, you know, I wasn't taught these specific manners, but I think that like I am this way, so this is how I should act on the inside." I think it, I think it's twofold. I think I think definitely maybe it's not stressed in in people's homes. Maybe they don't think it's important which is totally fine i i disagree but that's perfectly fine but then the the other thing is like people do now feel very comfortable in making you hold their mental illness socially you know what i mean mean like people just being like hi i'm crazy you deal with it like they feel no pressure socially to fit in a little bit to at least make the eye contact and be cordial and human and recognize you as another person they're just spiraling off the earth and they're like i you deal with it yeah so i think that also in comedy there's a lot of that you know because that's more what i mean is not not even because i don't talk to regular people all that much i mean comedians (laughs) who are also ramped up narcissists you're exposing how crazy you are and then off stage you're like okay well i just told you how crazy i am so freaking deal with it right here exactly speaking of the scenario here's the scenario your podcast yeah mike feeney and brendan sagalow so talk a little bit about that when you guys started doing that because i know that you had a conspiracy there Podcast, oh yeah, yeah. Can touch on that, but you've been doing podcasts for years, man. So obviously, you're very natural here on air. And um, talk a little bit about that, please. So here's the scenario. I mean, we started during during lockdown, like right okay. when that first started, because we had Mike and I, or Feeney and I, had been doing a podcast together called Irish Goodbye Podcast. It was a storytelling podcast. It was very personal, and we had guests sometimes, but for the most part, it was like really following our lives personally through three years or however long we did it, almost 250 episodes. And we were on Gas Digital, which, you know, I'm about to do Legion of Skanks after this. Yeah, I was just just a quick interruption here. I was Mm -hmm. like, Mike, you're doing back-to-back podcasts. So today is Monday. We're going to be on the way to the Ted Jones Comedy Show after this. I don't know if you're going to come with, but Mike is doing um, a podcast at Legion Legion of Skanks at 8 p.m. So he's doing back to back. Yeah, that's light work, dude. I, that's light. I like talking into a microphone. I have a, I have, <laughs> I have a lot do, of dude. bullshit to say. Um, but so we were doing that show and it was going really well, but there was a, it, it just felt like it had come to an end. You know what I mean? It, it, it ran kind of the gamut in terms of what we thought the show was going to be, the growth, etc. And we were just like, hey, while we're in flux and in this change, why don't we end this show? And then Brendan has always been a frequent guest on Irish Goodbye. He's yes. like a fan favorite. Okay. The three of our chemistry together is very good. And it's 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 almost a little always sunny-ish in the sense that yeah. we're very combative with each other. But it's it's all backed by love. But we're just arguing relentlessly. And, uh, you know, it's very fun. So he was a natural third mic. And uh, this is just a hypothetical show where we do like what if scenarios submitted by our listeners and they basically build the show for us. And it turns into a debate over fantasy, which is pretty fun because, you know, everything is so heavy. 
I'm not smart enough to talk yeah. politics or social issues. <laughs> we don't it's, like you know, all the, and that's where like, don't he sucks. Unless it's the safest message. But I mean, you talk about like crazy subjects that you guys talk about. I know one time you were asked, um, you know, a question about Mike Tyson and you were like, at what age do you think you can beat his ass? Sure. So you said six and a half. Yeah. Do you still stick with that? You don't think you can beat him up when he's eight years old? No, no, I don't. I don't think right now, especially like there was a time yeah. in my life. When I was like peak virile and like, you know, in my 20s and super in the gym, I could kick the shit out of eight-year-old Mike Tyson. (laughs) Now it's gone the other way where I'm 36, I'm brittle, and if eight-year-old Mike Tyson caught me, that's it. You can hold him down, though. All right, interesting story. But I bet he's like 140 pounds when he was eight. (laughs) So my tutor for like a few years was, he was like head of the... Um, public school education after school program. Mm. So he would get a lot of kids that like were a little bit slow on learning. Maybe they the reading level wasn't that good, whatever it was. So he, when Mike Tyson was, I, I believe it was 11 years old, Mike Tyson was having like a one-on-one session with him. And uh-huh. Mike was so pissed off, he didn't want to deal with it because he did um, uh, sessions in Brownsville. Yeah, yeah. Like that. He went yeah. all over New York City. He held down Mike Tyson apparently for 20 minutes. Wow. Until like another... Um, assistant or someone came in the room and like helped him fight out. Like Mike was back and forth, back. No and forth. shit. Got, you know he's like a bigger guy, but like yeah. I can imagine that you could probably take him anyway. Maybe and he's also <laughs> and you're younger than him now. Like, he was probably like he was probably fifty at the time, something yeah. like that. I imagine you could take eleven year old Mike once he started boxing though, dude. That's when I think I'd lose well, faith so, in you. So the reason why I go so young with him is because I know he started robbing people when he was like seven. Like, he, he was, like, robbing oh, adults. Like in, with, like, knives and yeah, stuff? Like, fists. Like, at fist point. <laughs> that's, that's how he would rob people on the street when he was, like, a kid. So, I just just with that information. Yeah, that's tough. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe I could probably walk through eight-year-old Mike Tyson. Yeah. No, that, I think so, too. I think once in maybe 11, like, I was surprised to hear that he'd be able to hold him down for, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't buy it. Yeah, I know, it's definitely less than that. Or like maybe he had help, something like that. I don't know, but it's also a pretty good, like, cool story to lie about. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, but, yeah, dude, I held Mike Tyson down for 20 minutes. He was yes. 11 years old. I can fuck him up. It's different because I'm I'm six one, but I'm also like 175 pounds. Yeah, we're like the same build. So I'm pretty I'm pretty light. Whereas you know Mike Tyson, even if he was 130 pounds at 11 years old, I feel like that 40 pounds for me isn't enough. Right. Okay. That's just my thought. So um, you talked briefly about having, um, a, what is it, a two-year-old now? Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So you want to talk a little bit about fatherhood? And also, I mean, I you know checked out your, I, I want to say it's like a documentary timing on Amazon Prime. Oh, that was a so, movie. It yeah, was a, okay. So I had to, I used my real name, but okay. it was a feature. Like, okay. yeah, it's not my story. So uh, just to quickly describe that, it's on Amazon Prime. And it's basically, dude, it kind of honestly feels like what I am personally going through right now. No kidding. You know, um, it, maybe taking the next step with a girl. If it's mm. like a girlfriend or somebody you're seriously hooking up with, it feels like any time that you spend, if you're like on a date, from 7 p.m. and then you you know spend the night with her to 11 p.m. Think about how much comedy you miss. You know you yeah. could have missed four spots that like you were just gonna walk through the stand. Maybe go to the cellar. Right. Maybe you wanted to go. I don't know. See an improv show. Whatever it is. It's yeah. just Like it seems that all the time. And then the one night you don't go was the night to be there. Chris <laughs> Rock was there. Dave Chappelle was there. Yeah. You know, networking with everyone. Freaking whatever. Following them on Instagram. Whatever it is. <laughs> so um, just kind of talk about how maybe having a child enriched your life, man. Yeah. And also, like, 
got you a little bit self-conscious because, dude, you were still able to record, you know, our specials and yeah. kill it on YouTube, Instagram, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, so having uh, when my wife got pregnant, like an immediate switch went off in the sense that, you know, I didn't change drastically the fiber of who I am but I immediately got really serious and understood that this is now real life and not fuck around shit where it's like up until that point I've lived a pretty charmed immature life I was a comic it is that thing where in the beginning especially you have to be so insane about it that if you do miss a night it could be it like it feels that way and it kind of is true that's how much you have to devote yourself at least if you want to be a stand-up now it's completely different with like content and stuff like that but you know that i i happened to have a child at the right time in my career where i could i could not i was established but i also could press on the gas even more and i found a new gear once that responsibility came. So once my wife was pregnant, I immediately thought about my next project, what I need to do, how I can make money, how I can diversify my stream of income, etc. Because my biggest fear before comedy, during comedy, and currently is having to stop because of family shit. You know what I mean? Like my dad was an actor and he didn't make it and he loudly blamed us like oh, we, we've had a current conversation about it where he doesn't think he did but it, it might have been out of anger it might have been whatever i understand frustration and all that shit but it for sure happened like he, he definitely had said something like that but also he just didn't have the work ethic he didn't know how to establish himself all that well so i want to make sure that sorry, i'm sorry, no, no no it's cool i want to make sure that like my my stance in this business is not you know did you press record or you didn't? That's no, so I did, funny. I did press record. Imagine if I, did. I recorded the center one, but this is just the vlog game over here. Dude, Say, dude, imagine I did record. We were having the best conversation of all time. Recording. Recording, brother. <laughs> Guys, you also have to excuse. This is a two-in-one studio. So, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes fucked up shit happens. But, dude, also, this is something that, like, you know, you hear from older people who regret shit. They're like, I right. wish I... I wish I... So you never want to regret shit, but also at the same time, like, you don't want to blame people. Of course, your, yeah. Your career failings. That's one of the worst things you could put on someone. And then also it's the worst thing, I think, to circle around in your head. Like, yeah. oh, well, if this if this person didn't do this and that and shit. Like, I don't know if you know, but I used to work for my dad's company for five and a half years. Mm-hmm. So within the last, I stopped working at his company on April 1st, like 2021. Not even joking with the no April kidding. stuff. Yeah. Wow. So, not um, even joking. Yeah. So <laughs> my, my life, man, like right before quarantine so right before like march 2020 i was thinking i wanted to kind of wrap it up and by summer you know i'd be doing this full time but i ended up staying at the company almost a full year later just yeah. like there was so much in interwebbed with you know me starting to do this podcast here comedy shows vlog whatever it is that I j- it's just like I, the burden of other people kind of relying on me to do something i didn't want to do was there sure you know so it was tough to get out of that mix but like once you kind of focus on, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but like once you kind of focus on what you want to do and you have like an addition, like a great child or something like mm-hmm. that, it kind of just meshes things together in a great way, right? Yeah, I mean, it can. I think it also can do the Fuck exact opposite. Have for- you seen that in like comedians? Like they had a kid and then like that, they're gone. That's it. And, um, they, and they were yeah, right there. And but right there. No, not people that were like right there. People that kind of like were not hobbyists or whatever, but just not. 
Like you could just tell like they, they had a ceiling and you know, they were mostly going to be probably doing it for fun for the rest of their lives, which is fine. Yes. Stand up is fucking fun. I'm not one of those people that's like, get out of the way. If you're not determined to make all this money, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. do whatever you got to do. I don't, I'm not one to tell anybody how to spend their time, but I've seen those people like have kids and then they're like, ah, all right. You know, I did stand up for a few years, kind of a cool story to tell my kid, which that is, that's what it is for a lot of people. But if you are a career stand-up and a career comedian and it's something that you're building your life around and it's not just conditional based on your life circumstance, then, yeah, you just find a way to uber-focus, I mean, coordinate your time. And I am not an organized person at all, but I've had to become one or at least somebody who can follow a schedule and, you know, and really just get the most out of your time that you possibly can. So speaking of, you know, the name of the movie timing, did you feel that like your character was so worried about commitment? Did you feel like that character when you were playing it? Yeah, I mean, because it's I've so I've never been single while doing comedy. I've been with my wife as a when she was my girlfriend ever since I started basically I think I did like three open mics without her <laughs> like that was it but there were times when I know that it was definitely a struggle for her it had to have been me giving all of my time to this thing and her just being mostly just green lights completely cool like absolutely but then you know there are times when everyone needs more attention or some sort of like hey this this isn't really working the way it is let's try to figure it out and it's that it's that thing where you're like, okay, am I going to be the comic that got a divorce or broke up with the, with the right one and is just continuing doing comedy either successfully or unsuccessfully. It doesn't even matter at that point. Or am I going to find a way to try to have both? It's really hard, man, but there are ways in my opinion and you know, to have both. So at what time in your career did you fully have like an hour ready to go? And I know that you like, you did one at the Comedy Cellar, and now you're kind of in the mix of trying to figure out where you're going to do your next one. Yeah. But when did you first have that hour, and how did you kind of find time around your schedule to create this hour? Did it start at like, okay, now I have 15 minutes. Oh, great. Now I have 30 minutes. Now it's 45. All right, great. I got an hour. Let's figure mm. out where the shit I'm going to go. So I was never uh, – I came up at a different time than you because we, we came up, and there was no like uh, – there was no real, I mean, podcasting was a thing, but that was a supplement to everything. So it was all stand up and you built in kind of a linear way where like you might do a late night, you do a half hour special, then you do an hour and like things like that. Get guest appearance on panel shows on MTV, Comedy Central. That's how you started to build your resume. Now it's a complete digital world and that's that's different. So I was just non-linearly writing jokes and I accumulated a lot of material, but I also lost a lot of it because I had no plan for it. So I was just writing shit. And then once, once I realized that certain industry things were just not going to happen for me, or at least not at that, like at the half hour, I submitted to the half hour a bunch of times, never got booked for it. They, they had interest. They liked me supposedly. It was like a half hour on comedy central. Yeah. 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 Only thing available. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, there was other stuff like epics was starting to do stand up, and you know, access, access, you know, Gotham comedy live. I know, which I did do. And, uh, you know, Comedy Central at a few showcase shows, but for all of that, right? Didn't get Adam Devine's house party. Didn't get a half hour. Did it like was kind of, was approved for a late night, and then that ghost uh, they ghosted me, and well, it just late, never the happened. Late, the late nights usually like five to seven minutes. No, right? Okay, but even that, like, so so I was doing all these. Po- I was I had my podcast, and I was then a regular guest on like 
uh, Opie and Anthony, Opie and Jim, Jim sure, and Say, you know, too, thought, fl- that yeah, later. that was later. But like, yeah. I was in the serious world where I had started to accumulate followers and you know, fans or people interested in my work. And then I realized that like all I had out there was radio shit. So they didn't even know what I do. So then I got the goal in my head where I'm not waiting for anything. Fuck this shit. It's cool. If they want to book me, they'll book me. I can make a tape out of what I'm going to do for myself because I'm not allowing you to drive my ambition anymore. Like you're not setting my goals. I am. So I started to build the hour and then I demanded that I was a headliner. I got into a few clubs as a headliner and then I just refused to feature after that and was just building myself as a headliner doing doing the time and it was about a year of that where finally i was like and not even finally that's really early to only be headlining a year and then put out an album i was like i gotta do it because i have an hour it's killing i want to turn this part of my life over it was right as i was getting married so i've done like I've done kind of transitional big life moment hours. Like my first hour was as I was getting married. Then my second hour was as I was having my son. And now my third one is he's two. He's a toddler. So you're kind of like, and I'm very personal. So you're, you're watching it unfold. Like definitely like every year you're getting new material. Oh yeah. I mean, now I have my third, I had my third like early and then, life changed obviously the fucking pandemic happened we moved in with my in-laws for like a year all this shit started going on which i realized that my third hour that i had written so quickly was more or less just an extension with no growth to the second one and now the shit is like major life shift so it's totally different and it's almost like you know that's what i needed Right. For and the go, jump. Going in there and headlining, you were definitely getting so many gigs. Guys, speaking of Mike Cannon headlining, I am featuring opening hosting for Hannah Burner in nice. Bridgeport, Connecticut tonight. Oh, Hope no to shit. See you guys out there. Yeah, so I'm doing like 10, 10 on top and then hosting and um, featuring. So very cool. Fun. If Hell you guys yeah. are in Bridgeport, Connecticut, get your tickets at, at the stress HannahBurner.com. Yeah, have you been there? I've not been to the Connecticut one, but oh, I've been to Jersey. Jersey right? Yeah, yeah, the Jersey okay. one's great. Cool, man. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for the most part, I hear exactly what you're saying. And I think, like, the more you're looking into your life, you know, getting new material, there's new shit happening every day. Something sure. dumb, funny, whatever. Something that you can drag out a story. And, um, yeah, so I hopefully, you know, one day I'm looking forward to record that hour, have that hour ready to go. But, um, you know, it's, it's stepping stones. A few yeah, of course. Each, each week. How long have you been doing stand-up? So stand-up. I mean, you probably saw me one of the first times I was really doing stand-up as mm-hmm. a black hat. Um, so, so, like, three years. Yeah, and uh, I, I've been doing improv for, I mean, I first took my, my initial improv class probably, I was taking improv and acting classes in college, and then once I got out, I was taking classes at UCB, kind of mm. stopped for a year and a half, and then, um, like, a year and a half before the pandemic, I took uh, UCB classes for, like, a full year and a half, was in the mix trying to get attached to, like, a Lloyd team, or I don't know how familiar you are. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically these teams would perform once a week at the UCB Hell's Kitchen Theater, and then the pandemic happened. So, like, this this kind of time right before the pandemic was like, okay, I really like improv. Okay, I like comedy. I'm kind of in the mix there. I have a podcast that I'm just starting, so I like this avenue, what I'm doing. So we'll see. Maybe I can do half time at my dad's company, whatever, and then the pandemic hit. And there was the company that I work for is a real estate company. Okay. So shit hit the fan everywhere. Nobody could pay rent. The stores couldn't pay. Um, You know, for the most part, you know, my dad has done very well in real estate, but like 
He was, you know, funding the mortgage. Stuff. Yeah, so yeah. She was really at a crazy point that I kind of felt like, all right, I got to help my dad out here. Sure. Whatever that is. So yeah. whether that was me putting my life on hold for a year or whether that was not me kind of not really ready for anything, but like starting, you know, a whole new career in March 2020 or April 2020 <laughs> in a career where like it's tough to make money in general. Yeah. It's like not the not the greatest decision of my life. Yeah. Even if I, even if it was, you know, like do, doing stand up full time vlogs, podcasts, comedy shows, whatever it is, it's tough. You know, I find myself just doing a lot of shit every day where there's like an issue, mm-hmm. you know, there's something that pops up, but it's my issue. And I fucking love dealing with it as opposed to like, Oh, this fucking tenants being annoying. I got to go yell at them on the phone. Like, dude, I don't want to <laughs> yell at you. You know, poor person, yeah, yeah. stabilize, whatever it is. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. Like I want to kind of have, control over whatever i'm putting out whatever yeah yeah totally well that's uh also it's good that you that you helped your dad like just in general but also comedy was not to be had during that time anyway so it was kind of a perfect it was kind of a perfect opportunity to be like all right i'm selflessly (laughs) dude also like the zoom mic shows man i never ended up doing one of one of those you hear about people who are doing them or what uh i mean i've done like corporate so i did not do that's amazing yeah i didn't do stand up Aside from like really high paying corporate That's gigs, amazing, which though. were awful, but I'll take a lot of money <laughs> so to bomb in my living room. You standing in front of the MacBook Pro, and yeah, just, like with a fake microphone, or you had no, I had my microphone, so I had like my whole podcast set up so it sounded good and nice, like all nice. that okay, shit, okay. but. It was, yeah, it was just me sitting in front of, like, a brick wall. <laughs> and just, just How much fucking, time did they have you do? An hour. An hour? An hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank Wait, God see, I've podcasted <laughs> so much, dude, yeah, because yeah, I could yeah. just not shut By up. yourself, right? right. Yeah. So you had um, all these people watching on Zoom, or, like, it was hidden, and you were just the main It was all main. those people. So I made, I, I, like, pulled them all up gallery mode. You know, you nice. could, okay, I okay, could have okay. had it just on me and been sure. fine. But I, I needed to see the reactions. And, uh, you know, there were some really generous, charitable people in that nice. in that Zoom. And then there were people that were like... Rocking back and forth? Dude, visibly there were people like... <laughs> like unsure. Wait, but how did you how did you do in the, that session for an hour? You felt it was like terrible. You it was to know. Wait, I mean, it, it was fine in the sense that I thought I was funny. Yes. Like you know, well, and good. yeah, I thought I was it's funny. Important. But it was like it wasn't satisfying okay. at all. You well, know, it was, they were probably on mute, right? Sometimes, but sometimes you'd hear like a baby scream. <laughs> like it was wow. just it was chaotic. Right. But it was money. It's funny what really interrupts comedy shows. I know that like you, for the most part, have a bone to pick with people, and they're walking in front of the stage and waitresses who just don't know how to handle it. I was thinking about this when I heard you say this. I was like, <laughs> "Did you I know say what? this? Yeah, yeah, you said this on a podcast. So I can't remember which one, but you were just fucking talking shit. Oh, it was, fl- it was flagrant too. You were talking shit about the waitresses and some of them just being loud, full conversation. Yeah, yeah. Two Mandarin guys in the front thinking that they're coming. Oh yeah, that was during show. my special. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was during the second like, taping of my special. Not a comedy show, but like I feel like this could be this could be a good idea hear me out maybe before you get to the comedy show you know you buy your ticket and then right below that it's like menu items so you get seated at table you get seated at table six and they know exactly what you want they're bringing it the good times and if you want it you order food and a martini and if you want to get more food and martini Mm -hmm. there's a little fucking button that you press just like the airplane oh the waitress comes over and says okay what can i get you but not yeah. every people are going to get the minimum, right? You get yeah. two drink minimum, whatever it is at I, a comedy show. Just get it done right there. I've had the similar idea. That's great. I love that. 
I've had the similar rudimentary version of that where I was like, just do it like Alamo draft house, like have a slip of paper that has the menu on it and you can check next yeah, to it. I mean, that's an put, easy, great to, way to do it. Yes. Yeah, just no. And I'm, I'm not being, I'm not being a dick to wait staff of comedy clubs. Obviously they help us do what we do. Yeah. I am saying that you, they don't get tipped on their personalities. They get tipped if the show's good. Because they're not supposed to be talking. Like, it's not, they're no, nobody's supposed to hear them. Yeah. They're not supposed to be funny. Like, they're not supposed to be really charming. They're just there to serve the drinks and the food. Yeah. You know, it, which, that's just that job. Outside in a different restaurant, then you turn on the sales charm. Sure. And, maybe, but, and then now you're wearing masks, too, and you don't, you're just seeing the eyes, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just think it would be better. It's also, I think, beneficial for the wait staff because then they don't have to talk to them, which I guarantee yeah, they love. Sure love I it. used to wait d- uh-huh. tables if I could... If I could remove the point when I talk to the person, that would be <laughs> ideal. <laughs> and then also the show's better, so they get tipped better. You used a notepad, though, when you were a waiter, right? Yeah, yeah. And okay. I still got who shit the, wrong Yeah, yeah all but the who time. the fuck is doing it without a, a pad with their hands behind their back? Dude, you better not fuck up my order. I'm vegan, too. Like, so oh, there's a little shit. cheese. Don't yeah. put the fucking cheese in <laughs> So I'm like, we get so mad. I'm like, all right, you sure you're going to remember this? Uh-huh. You sure? And usually they do if they don't have a pad. Because, like, that's an aggressive move to come in hot with no pad. I, I got to be honest, dude. I think a high percentage, and I won't say, like, 90. It's probably, like, 65, 70% of people that come with no pad fuck up the order. For me. Really? Yeah, and they have often where it's like, I just don't trust your brain. Yeah. I don't. And sure. it's not your fault. You're just being arrogant. It's weird. About your ability so to remember. Why do you need to do that? Like, yeah. it's totally cool for you to have a pad of paper. Yeah. Even though maybe you have that electric thing now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I remember when I was a waiter, and me and this kid, Puyan, my uh, my co-waiter, he was, mm-hmm. he's the best. I'm sure he's a fucking rocket scientist right now. But him and I used to smoke weed out of an <laughs> apple in a porta potty <laughs> during... Uh, during during like slow times during you know we were outdoor waiters and i remember it was pouring rain so nobody was coming obviously we have a tent but it's like it's just a fucking monsoon out yeah and finally this table comes over and i'm just freshly blazed out of my face and i walk over to him and i got the pad and i'm just like okay yeah you know taking their order and i'm like cool cool and i walk back to the cook and i look and i wrote hieroglyphics like dude i swear to god i don't know what happened from my brain to my fingers were you in the seventh 22 uh-huh. like, like old too old and i was just like i wrote squiggles and i had to go back to the table and oh, be man. like i know you guys just watched me write that down but i didn't get it and where'd i you, where'd you grow up rockland county so right outside the city oh, okay I was, I was thinking rockland county maryland no no so i didn't know it, that was a play that's cool i believe it is all right fact check me I'm rc maryland right. um but you came into the city a lot as a as a youngin or not really a little bit, like here for basketball, I did, oh, and okay. uh, like yeah, and my fa- yeah, and and so also playing myself. Oh, you did, yeah. So I I have I've played at Fourth Street when I was younger. Man, the cage. Oh yeah, yeah. Seller, all mm-hmm. right. I uh I I never play. I never got to play at Rucker. I think I was supposed to, and then I got hurt. I broke my hand my freshman year, but um. We, you know, I, yeah, I played a lot of hoops and my father worked in the city and I came in very sparingly. But the weird part about Rockland is it's 19 miles outside of Manhattan uh-huh. and people really sell its proximity to the city, but nobody really goes. 
So do people say when they're from Rockland County, are they like, yeah, I'm from the city? If you're like me. No, no, no. No, they'll actually, they'll intentionally separate. They're like, I'm outside the city. I'm Rockland. Yeah. But people from the city are like, oh, you're going to the country? It's like it's 19 (laughs) miles away. Fuck off. Did you play high school basketball? Yeah, and two years at junior college. Where junior college? Rockland Community College. So we played in Maryland. We played uh, Allegheny, which was Steve Francis from Houston Rockets, his school. I mean, we played against like, insane d1 talent that sure. just didn't have the grades like or whatever wagner or something like that you play deep so one schools or no? d1 juco's so we would play we would play like go to north carolina and play whatever community college that had all kids that were going to like carolina state and you know unc all this but i mean they were so fucking good yeah. i found that i had no business <laughs> pretty early but uh i played for two years and then yeah and then gave it did gave anyone it all transfer from your school to like a top d1 college because i know that happens a lot not from a not to a top d1 but we had like some d2 guys and okay. uh it, like we, just the grades that probably fucked up. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of the, we had this one guy named Scally, who uh, <laughs> is his last name. Or you called him that? His first name was Pascal, so we called him Scally. Oh, okay. so I actually don't remember French. his. Yeah, I don't remember his last name, but uh, he he was like a blue chip talent like he was like a six eight really long wildly athletic but had a soft touch especially from mid-range when people still did mid-range yeah and uh just he was like one of those guys that maybe could have done it but okay. his he just kept getting it in his own way uh academically and all that other shit did you ever see or go ahead go ahead we had another kid amarildo who was from mozambique Amarillo. yeah and he uh he was like a d1 blue chip guy but i think he went home i don't know where did he you went ever see that show um on netflix last chance university yeah yeah, so made me cry, man. <laughs> made me cry. Oh, really? It really reminded me a Wait, lot which of. Which one though? Because I've seen every season. Oh, so I mean, I watched the football, but I watched the basketball is the one that I had yes, yes, kind yes. of it, close ties to. They were they're better than than our team was. Right, well, like they were they were like national champions. I, I yeah, believe. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of who they were following. Around. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to like make it sound like I think I'm more than I am. But hey, come on, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, but that like. Just generally playing in a in a program like that, especially in a small school that people don't necessarily care about, and you're scraping by and trying to get money, and you're trying to get these kids opportunities and academically, and all the kids like I, I'm from Rockland. It was only me and my high school teammate Hansley, uh, who were the, the two kids from our county that played. Everybody else was from a borough, so everybody else was from Brooklyn, was from you know. It, Harlem, wherever, like they were really good citywide talent. And so it didn't feel like it didn't feel like I was home. It felt like I went away, you know, and then and those kids came from kind of tough backgrounds. And so you'd root for them. You'd you'd hope that they'd make it out. And you stayed on campus or did you stay at home? No, at home. Yeah. For two years while my parents got a divorce (laughs) and a bunch of my friends died and my grandpa died and my dog died all in like two years. Bunch of friends died. Is that like a, is that a pretty druggy place or is it not safe? Uh, It was mostly drunk driving and then some, uh, some cancer. We are some like young cancer. A few of them. From like being next to some plant or what? I don't know, but no, I mean, we're far enough away from Indian Point, <laughs> which is the right, nuclear right, power right. plant. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know, to be honest. There was just a stretch of time where a couple kids like 23 year olds just caught a vicious cancer and died. Damn, man. Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so what else, man? What else? Let me see what else interesting. Dude, we got a Ted Jones comedy show T-shirt for you oh, right here, bro. Yeah, because dude, you have freaking done two shows now. 
And bro, I'd like to ask you on air, man. Are you free December 27th at 7 p.m.? If you want to check your uh, calendar later, you let me know. I already know I'm not because I'll be in Vermont with right. my family. He's going to put you on that show at the I same. appreciate right, that. Um, January, we'll figure out. Yes, definitely. absolutely. But wow. I, I've, I actually, I haven't taken a vacation probably since Ricky's wedding. Okay. Where we hung out. Yes. Uh, which was such a fucking good time. God, that was so yeah, fun. That was amazing. amazing. That was my first time in Miami, too. Really? Mm hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's quite the quite the experience to have. Did you stay at the Fiena where the where the wedding was or no? That was a bougie ass hotel, I tell you, man. I didn't uh, no, there. we must have stayed down the street. Okay, I, I think we stayed down the street like where other the people beach? were it was staying like across the street. Oh no, it was on the beach. Oh, yeah, wow. we, I think it was like. So we may have waited because we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it because, you know, our son is a, was a baby. Right, right, right. Um, and that was our first weekend away from him. Oh, wow. And uh, so we didn't know. So I think we booked late and we got like, so the main hotel and then they had like, you know, the sister hotel or whatever where the the leftovers yeah. <laughs> could get a room. Okay. And I think, which was still unreal. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where Miami's we stayed. Miami's amazing. Yeah. Um, so when I went down to Miami, I'm going down also December 14th through 20th. If anybody's down there, any comics listening, you put me on your show. Do I'd it. love to do it. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully, I'm getting a couple spots on there. Hope like have one lined up, I believe. But like the Miami uh, comedy scene, I wonder if that's going to start to pick up with this digital world that we're living in, with people being able to kind of be everywhere. Right. And um, there aren't so many uh, places down there. I don't know if you've ever done comedy in Miami. Never. No, I've, I've heard not great things. Sure. So like this is an interesting thought because you see like people are kind of migrating towards um, I don't know maybe red states rest let. Less regulations if you're talking about COVID. Um, But I don't know. You think the digital world is going to affect comedy in a major way with like content, you know, like your website, man. That, yes. Primo. Yeah. Well, I think, do you think you like people need that kind of shit or what? Yeah, probably. I mean, in in terms of Miami, like that. That kind of has more to do with just what the city is. It's, it's like similarly to New Orleans, where New Orleans doesn't need comedy. That's why it's not a great stand-up scene. Right, 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 right. It's like got great music, great drinking, great partying, you know, it's it, it, football, all that shit. Like, it already has a solidified culture. Miami is similar in the sense that it's like partying, Coke, Molly, yeah. sunshine, the beach, Loving, you know, yeah. gorgeous trans people. And like, you know, <laughs> it, that's like already the, the defined culture of the area. Yeah. So that's why I think like it's similarly to why not a lot of comedians do Hawaii. <laughs> they don't need to laugh. It's beautiful out. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, but uh, digitally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, then again, Schultz migrates there now in the winter, so he could, potentially build a scene like Rogan built Austin. Right, right, right. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think digitally that's gonna allow people to do comedy from anywhere. It's like that's Schultz did go down to Florida last year and just like was able to tour out of there, do his stand up, you know, pack a few local shows, do his podcast, all that shit. And it's it's as if he I mean, it's not as if he didn't leave anybody's conscious. Right. I wonder if he uh, is paying taxes down there now. If he's there more than six, <laughs> six months out of the year, right? I mean, is that something, is that, yeah. something that he's thinking about right now? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that Maybe. works with the tax forms and that's a very that's comics. And that's shit, like why LeBron good, went there. Yeah, <laughs> literally for a moment. Um, so, what do you? What would you say is the the biggest medium for you right now in terms of social media. I've been talked about on this podcast how I think eventually we're going to have everything kind of merge where you can find someone's uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, but it's all in one app. Sure. It's not like you use the link tree and you see all the, all the things right there embedded. I think that it's, it's going to somehow be some app comes in and, you know, 
takes the data from your YouTube, takes the data from Instagram, and kind of makes it all beautiful, meshed into one sure. kind of page. The metaverse. Some sort of, yeah. Some sort of like <laughs> app like that. Um, do you think there's one that's the most important? I don't know if it's important, but I do know the one that I'm most, quote unquote, successful on is TikTok. And, uh, you know, stand up just seems to do pretty well on that, especially yeah. if it looks nice and it sounds nice and sure. it's high quality. Um, but, uh, you know, all of it is what we have to do. Like, it's it's all about casting a wide net and trying yeah, to right. get as many people as you can totally. from anywhere you can. Because, you know, you could write off Facebook and say it's for old people or whatever. Yeah, but fact of the matter is there might be couple hundred to a thousand to whatever people that like your shit on Facebook. So if you could possibly get your stuff out to them, why wouldn't you, you know? So I, I mean, I'm focusing on TikTok, I guess, in the sense that I'm, I'm just reaping the most benefits from it and it's helping me sell tickets, but it doesn't take away the fact that I'm posting more or less the same shit on everything. Now you have, um, somebody editing your podcast, I presume, and like your clips and everything is the same person or what? So my clips, uh, my clips for my special was, uh, was somebody then I like, you know, that, that you just can outsource and find different people. Our podcast is completely different. We have a producer slash partner. Like she's a partner in our business, uh, Nicole, and she is one of the more talented creative people that I've ever been able to work with on that end because she's insanely funny herself doesn't want to be a comedian, but it like gets her jokes out in the edit. So the stuff that I am doing, she'll see a joke on the joke where she's able to cut something in or, you know, pivot an old quote from an old episode to disprove what I just said. Like she just has this really great working mind where she's able to add to the comedy by her abilities as an editor. And like, I mean, what kind of, in terms of like when you, you talk about like, doing the special together and like getting clips from that. What yeah. do you kind of look for when you have somebody editing it and then putting it out on TikTok? Are you put like, doing like 60 clips and then you'll do one every day, two every day, kind of mm. like that? I'm a uh, strategy behind that. I mean, th- there isn't, there should be, but there isn't. Uh, I, I just kind of know around the time I should post, but I have noticed that the, the ones that do the best are kind of geared towards a specific group of people. You know what I mean? What I can, personally speak to is now being a dad be you know married all that shit you know smoking weed while yeah. being a dad <laughs> just, just that kind of like that stuff from me personally works the best like that's what people respond to the most i am not a take guy schultz for instance is really brilliant at coming up with takes and opinions on everything mm-hmm. and has an original spin pretty much on any topic i'm I'm not necessarily like that, but my opinions come out through my bits. So you can kind of get to what I'm talking about or what I think based on how I discuss something that's going on personally. Absolutely. Listen to what Mike has to say, his opinions personally in North Carolina, December 10th. Yeah, and 11th. December 10th and 11th. That's the next time you're on the road. Yeah, do you dead enjoy, crow. Do you enjoy being on the road? How do you usually get to these places? Are you flying, mm-hmm. taking a tour bus, and then just sp- spending nights there? <laughs> yeah, dude, what? I'm dropping a milli Let's on a go. tour bus oh. and just uh, netting negative $999,000. <laughs> no, dude, only, only time will tell, man. So you're just bouncing around to these clubs and... Uh, 
For the most part, what, you doing like three shows? Four. four? So, I, yeah, Dead Crow is two nights, four shows, two shows each night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm flying down there, bringing Sagalo, which is always fun when nice. you get to bring a friend as an opener. Absolutely. Uh it does not happen all the time for me because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not a well-known or have that much pull just yet but uh you know it's it's always great when you can do it with a buddy especially for me because there is a physical pull back home with my son and my wife like i'm i'm just missing things if i'm not around so there's like if i can keep myself occupied as much as possible then that uh that helps it go by faster he is doing 15 minutes and you're doing an hour he's doing like 20 25 and i'm doing an hour oh wow yeah okay cool yeah. And you like North Carolina. What's your what's I've never been, your, been there. Okay. Or never been there to do comedy. Well then what's been your favorite state doing comedy? Um, I mean I love Chicago. I've done Chicago a few times. Which one the Zane? Zane I've done Zanies, yeah, downtown okay. uh, both times and man, it's uh it's just super fun. But I also I did like a guest spot at the Laugh Factory. That was really fun. That's I've in done Chica- Chicago, that's in Chicago. Chicago. Okay. I did Parlor Car uh, years ago, which was like an alt show in Chicago. Wow. That was super fun. So I mean the crowds are just consistently good because they're the great mix of like culture meets blue collar. So you always want to have both because you want people smart, but then you also don't want them to be pussies yeah. that like, you know, wince at every strong punch or whatever yeah. that, uh, you know, isn't necessarily morally righteous. Sure, sure. You know, so Chicago being your favorite city, have you had like, a, I mean, I guess I'll ask your least favorite city to do comedy, but also have you had a memorable kind of meltdown on stage when it's been, you know, not at an open mic, not like a guest spot Mm -hmm. where you're doing maybe like 15, 20 minutes and you're like, Oh shit. Like I'm, I'm dying up here. Yeah. I mean, I've done like, I I've done fundraisers that are less than ideal where it's like I I did a fundraiser for like this fantasy football group that has been meeting up for 28 years. Oh, wow. They did it before computers. Like yeah. that's how that's how long. And so there are these old shit kicker dudes and who the hell knows where New Jersey and it's at a bar with 1 million TVs. Yeah. Like literally the walls are just lined <laughs> and they didn't turn any of them off and I'm standing in front of the games they're betting on performing an hour of stand-up and they're justifiably livid uh-huh. and like what the fuck like why do we do this every year like they do it every year and every year they have to remind themselves that they don't want to do it the next year uh-huh. and then they black out and they hire a comedian oh, the next man. year how'd they find you in that particular instance this was like through a club owner who and again it's it's fine money so i'm willing to take a few tomatoes uh-huh. <laughs> for especially at the time sure. uh to make to make some money but uh yeah that is like that's just an hour of of accepting defeat sure well you spend time at like every great comedy club probably in the country now right you'd say no no i mean there's a lot of markets that i that i'd like to go like acme in minneapolis i've never been i've heard that's incredible i've never been to denver comedy works i've heard that's incredible uh i'm lucky enough to go out to seattle next year and i'm gonna do laughs i've heard that's that's a great city you know i've i've definitely i mean i've i've been to Jordan, Kuwait, and Bahrain. My yeah. the comedy has taken me to some pretty interesting sure. places. Well, I mean, all the places that you name are, you know, inevitably you're gonna do them. You know what I mean? I hope so. Yeah. So, um, you know, being in all these markets, seeing all these different comedians, do you have a favorite comic that's like not biased or someone that you've not, that someone's like not on your podcast or someone that maybe people would not know? Oh, interesting. Um, wow. I mean, maybe somebody that people might not know 
he's like relatively well known, but to us, you know, like like uh, people outside of comedy might not know him. But my favorite comedian is Kurt Metzger. Kurt Metzger. Kurt Metzger. He's my favorite comic. I think his stand up is unbelievable. He has an hour called White Precious. What What happened with him? He had some like Me Too movement, maybe. If you're no, he uh, Kurt is uh, Kurt was an early adopter of extended Facebook posts in uh, in. Mm In anger and argument against a popular belief system, which I found to be very funny. But he, you know, definitely had some moments where he said some wild shit. And I think a lot of articles were written about him and blah, blah, blah. He was maybe on the forefront of it because I remember this was a few years ago. Oh, it was when like, I mean, I won't even bring it up because the comic doesn't deserve the bullshit he got. But a comedian told a rape joke that certainly wasn't making fun of the act of rape or the victim, but it was under the umbrella of a rape joke. And then just got an onslaught of hate from a few bloggers that uh, were pointing out how rape jokes are unacceptable in comedy. I'm not standing, you know, whatever, but, uh, but um, he, Kurt, on behalf, like basically took up for him, which was cool because that comic was younger yeah. and, uh, and was like, Hey, fuck you, fuck this. And that's bullshit. And you know, whatever. And so I think he's just, uh, he's a really outspoken dude who certainly has, uh, complex opinions, but that makes a great stand up in my mind. I'm not looking to him for voting advice. <laughs> like I'm not looking to him for any real commentary on anything. He's fucking hilarious and also happens to be really smart. Do you have any jokes maybe that you've told now previously before that, you know, before the cancel days or are you worried at all about being canceled for anything that you're saying in your hour sets? No, I mean, not in my sets on podcasts for sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I've made horrible, awful jokes as recently as last week. Like it, it it's all in the attempt to be funny. So yeah, I right. truly don't in line. It, yeah. But I yeah. mean, you can, if, if I'm a comedian and I'm trying my best to be funny and I, and this is what I've, I've dedicated my life to, if I'm thinking about people's feelings, you know, which it's just kind of a tough course to slalom where you have to be able to fuck up. You have to make the mistakes. You have to go for big swings and you learn what the line is by the reaction. So what people don't understand is that when somebody makes an awful rape joke and the crowd is basically punishing them with silence and disdain, they've basically learned their lesson. (laughs) And if they didn't, then don't worry, they won't be successful. And the only way to elevate their voice is for you to pay attention to it. Favorite comedy club in New York City. If you can't shoot yourself in the foot, you let me know right now. Um, But favorite comedy club in New York. I have two. I have two. uh, The Comedy Cellar and New York Comedy Club. New York Comedy Club was my first home club. They, it's where I recorded my first hour. Yeah, it's uh, Emilio and that entire that entire staff yeah, is legitimate Emilio family. Is I yes. love them. Uh-huh. Um, and then the Comedy Cellar is just you know it's one of the best comedy clubs in the entire universe, and it lives up to its name every time you perform there. It's it's packed crowds who are there intentionally. <laughs> you know they didn't just get barked in from wherever the fuck. Sure. And uh, it's exciting. They're dressed up like it's the eighties. It's a yeah. night out. Um, so in terms of comedy seller, you know, comedy seller, for those of you who don't know, very strict kind of pass process. A lot of clubs in the city do have pass processes where you need to tell X amount of jokes for X amount of minutes. Then people decide at the club if you're funny or not. When did you start performing at the comedy seller? 
Um, get past. I, I think say, I was right? there. Like, Do they say I think that I've been there? there. Yeah, I think so. I think I was there. Like, I've been there for four years or four or five years. Mm-hmm. I, I so <clears throat> I I did shoot my special there. It's called Life Begins. It's on YouTube for free. If anybody wants to watch it, and I feel the the reason why I did it one is because of course my son was about to be born so I wanted to do this material about the pregnancy and the experience of him yeah. just being born and uh and two because the way I got into the comedy cellar is kind of a weird story and oh, Colin uh, Quinn right yeah, yeah please tell yeah, the yeah. story please so I never story. you know I always obviously it was a huge dream of mine so just before um, mm-hmm. you tell the story it's also just about like fucking timing too Go yeah, yeah 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 100% so it, the comedy seller has always been a goal of mine because I'm a huge fan of comedy. Like I, I've read all the books. I know all the comedians from New York. I was a huge tough crowd fan. I was a huge Opie and Anthony fan. I, I immersed myself in stand up even before I did it. So the, the comedy seller to me was always the Mecca, which is why out of respect, I never pushed for an audition. You know, I was always like, Hey, when it comes, it comes, it'll happen when it's right. I will of course want to be there. I'd be lucky to be there, but I'm not going to be one of those guys who's like, you know, just trying to weasel his way in instead of earn it. So, you know, that obviously makes the process longer. And I had just been, you know, I had been headlining already. My album was out, blah, 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 all that shit. And I'm just hanging out at the comedy cellar, uh, with Chris Stefano and his daughter. And we were eating dinner and Liz, the manager, uh, was sitting with us and she got a text that said Colin Quinn had a heart attack. He was supposed to do his hour long show. Chris was opening for him in one of the secondary rooms or in fat black lounge at the comedy cellar. And so obviously he couldn't do it. He had a heart attack. Liz for the first time looked at me as a comedian (laughs) and was like, do you want to do a half hour? She's like, do you and Chris want to split this? And I was like, yeah, like I, I almost said no because I actually had just come off of some anxiety shit and like I had a panic attack on yeah, stage dude. the weekend before. It's like this whole thing. But of course, it's like, yes, you have to. Yes, totally. yes, yes, I will do yeah. a half hour. Turned out I did 20 minutes because Voss, Rich Voss also jumped on the show. But Voss and Chris both threw new bits out. So they were just you know, trying shit out. They're comfortable and they're standing at the club. They don't have to crush every single time. And so I ended up closing the show, which is preposterous behind those two people. <laughs> and I threw every fastball that I had, every single A bit, every, and I had a great 20 minute set. And Liz asked me to send, or at Liz sent that tape to Esty. And then a few months later, I finally got the audition. Wow, man. Nice. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. crazy story. And like Colin Quinn obviously acknowledges that that was an, a wild occurrence. Did you know Colin Quinn before that? Yeah, a little bit like here yeah. or there, like not much. Okay. Just in just in passing. Yeah, he knew my name. I, I obviously am a huge fan of his. So he uh, just like that. OK, yeah. um, favorite moment in comedy. If I can ask you that, ma'am. Um, Maybe, I mean, that sounds like an insane moment. Maybe that might be your favorite. But I also wanted to see if there be anything else maybe to show i saw you did a show in astoria um i don't know how many people were there but like just anything in particular where you're like wow that was a really fucking fun night well, besides yeah, the ted jones uh, comedy show of course that always is my favorite moment <laughs> each and go. every time <laughs> um but I, I i think a show that i did with bobby kelly i think it was over the summer we did some like country club in westchester and I, or no, I'm sorry, in, in uh, Connecticut. And it was in an insane rich area of Connecticut. I mean, like, you know, like you people from CNN and whoever the fuck. Yeah, it was like, it, might have been there. it was insane. I don't even know where it was. I just know driving there made me feel really bad about myself because yeah. <laughs> I'm just seeing how, you know, humans live or yeah. can live. Opulent. But that show 
was like insane, like really hot. Just one of those that was from the get-go, just super good. No real effort in terms of winning them, but you like, like the, they fed your performance. So it was just bigger and more fun and taking my time and all that stuff. And, uh, that, that show in particular was just a, uh, a really fun one. Dream gig. This is an interesting one, whether it's on stage at the beacon theater of MSG, in LA, the crypto.com center, not even the Staples Center anymore. That's right. The Lakers are fucked, huh? All right, go ahead. Favorite game. <laughs> I actually think they're going to make a tremendous amount of money. Oh, I wonder if they took some of the sale in Bitcoin. I really hope they did. I it always, would only I make sense. T- I talk about Bitcoin and crypto on here, and if people don't have it, I'm like, what are you doing, guys? Just, yeah. Even if you're going to lose it. Whatever. <laughs> you know? Even if you're going to fucking lose it, the chances are you won't you lose yeah. it, and you'll be insanely rich in tech. Find a lot of tickets. Dream gig in comedy. Yeah, I think I think it's probably it's probably a theater in New York. I don't know if I have. I mean, I guess Carnegie Hall would be something. That's dope. Um, or like Radio City Music Hall. The same amount of seats, maybe. No, Radio City is like six thousand. Oh, Carnegie, I don't know how many of that is. So it, I was just thinking about MSG. I do think MSG is probably also like because I'm a big Knicks fan. I'm a huge hoops guy. I got to practice on the Knicks court when I was in high school. Nice. And I literally knelt down and kissed like the, the logo in the middle because it is. It's that It's that important to me. Sure. Hoops is that important to sure. me. And so the idea of being able to perform where all those incredible games and Knicks and Michael Jordan and you know LeBron, I mean, that would be pretty fucking dope, I guess. That's fucking great. Mike Cannon, thank you so much for joining us here on the Thanks for having me, buddy. Couch, man. 191. If it's not episode 191, I'm probably going to edit this part out, but I'm pretty confident <laughs> it is 191. <laughs> Dude, how many episodes are you in? On, here's the scenario. Bob. Not 191. Okay. That's incredible. Good for you. Thank you, man. So it's been like two and a half years in the making. We started off the first year. I was just doing it uh, once a week, and mm-hmm. then... I had um, like a sidekick co-host here for nice. about 60 episodes. Okay. And we were doing three episodes a week. Holy shit. It's right when the pandemic yeah, yeah. hit. But um, now we're doing twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. And then obviously you guys know Ted Jones vlog, Tuesdays and Fridays. And if you guys have not been to a Ted Jones comedy show yet, check the link in this YouTube video. You're listening on Apple Podcasts. Click that link right there to Spotify. Link right there. Amazon Music. Link right there. Mike, plug yourself, dude, before I freaking plug myself to death over here. <laughs> uh, at I am Mike Cannon on all social media. MikeCannonComedy.com for dates. I'm doing, uh, yeah, Wilmington, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, Boston, um, and uh, yeah, Seattle, a bunch of places coming up. Very excited about that. And uh, yeah, probably filming my next special in February. So make sure you subscribe to my YouTube. It's likely where it's going to go Mike Cannon comedy on YouTube. So you are in the middle of finding out where you're going to record this hour or you have the, um, you so have kind of we have out. a loose agreement, but I don't want to announce sure, it sure, yet sure, just sure. because, uh, it is that it's a loose agreement. Okay. Yeah. All right, but man. very excited, likely potentially February 18th. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So it's almost being signed. Yeah. We'll Hopefully see. We'll see if I get the inside squeeze after, but I can't tell you guys anyway. So don't fucking worry about it. Do you like the sign? Ted I Jones love the sign. I love the sign. Dude, hilarious. And, there, uh, there's a map here before. And then I, just fucking <laughs> made I was like, all right, I'm, I'll just fucking go it's five out of ten on the. Do on you the keep question. it up? Yeah, bro, I do. You do? I do. That's, that's the same thing as in my bathroom. I got to fucking remember who the fuck I am, dude. Every, I'm like, what's a, what's that movie? Fifty First Dates with Memento. Drew Barrymore. Oh, yes. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. What's Memento? Memento is the Christopher Nolan one where he tattoos details and reminders all over his body. 
So like using a pen, but like it's tattooed. Tattooed, yeah, because he he does not remember any. Like he remembers the day as he's awake, and then yeah. it restarts. You have tattoos. I've thought about do, getting yeah. a smiley face here, a little small one, like that, and then a heart on my ankle. People do are it. like that is fucking gay. <laughs> or that's cool. It's got like a middle between for you. You're like, just right, do whatever. it. And it's on my feet, you know, from the ground up, some shit like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think anybody should be able to tell you what you put on your body. Fuck yeah, do whatever you do. Yeah, exactly. How many tattoos do you have before we get out of here? One, two, three, four. That's how you have four. one on your back from that Wait. movie. One, two, three, four. Yeah, only four. And you got them over kind over of the course of, since I was eighteen. That one, that fucking upper back tramp stamp, yeah. definitely when I was I eighteen it. years old. And that it's came amazing. after I got this one, which I like. And then this one was like, I just need more. And it's a fucking Fuck yeah, dude. Well, it tells a Gaelic story, knot. It tells a story. Yeah, guys, no freaking cuts this episode unless I fucked up that episode number. I think it's killer. Thank you, bro. Thank you so much, guys. Mike Cannon, what a guy. Follow this guy. All right, we'll see you guys soon. Peace.